0: Amen. You have your Bibles open up to Acts chapter number 8. And as you're turning there, uh, just a couple of things. I, I like that song. That was a good song. And uh, one of those verses said, um, Never fear, only trust and obey. I, I tell you what, I've always told my kids that fear is natural. It, it just is. And, and to an extent, fear is a good thing. I mean, uh, I always taught my kids that hot things... Uh, you need to be fearful of that. I, I kind of hold their hand up not to burn them, but to sense the heat and say, look, see, that's hot. And if you touch that, it will burn you. Uh, and so it's good to have a healthy dose of fear. But at the same time, uh, fear should not control our lives. Um, and, and so sometimes God asks us to do fearful things, and it's important that we, f- we obey God. We'll be happier obeying God uh, than doing anything else. Um, I was reminded, I, I don't know why, of, of this. It has absolutely nothing to do with the message, but uh, uh, I remember I was with one, of, several of my kids, and we went down to, it was Brother Jason Perlack's camp. We had stopped by to see, and and uh, he said, well, I'll tell you what, he said, uh, I don't usually do this, but you, know, you guys are missionaries and live overseas. He was like, I'll, I'll let your kids go on the zip line if they want. And, and I thought, well, that'll be great. So my kids, several of them, they... Uh, they they suit up their dad. They said, "Dad, are you going to go?" And what's a dad to say? Of course, I'm going to go. And uh, and so you know, they got the harnesses on, and and uh, and and several of them uh, went to climb up the ladder, and they didn't make it up the ladder. They said, "No, I'm not going." I said, "Come on!" And so of course, I I wanted to chicken out, but I couldn't because my kids are going. And so to be the dad, you you just got to do it. I mean, so so you man up there and you get up that ladder. And, man, you're looking down, and it's a long way down. And I'm like, wow. And, um, and several of them, then at that point, uh, maybe one other said, uh, I'm not going to go. And I'm down to, I don't know, I, I don't know if there's one or two that was still up, or I can't remember now, but it's been so many years ago, but um, the one said, I'm, I'm going. And I couldn't even, I don't even remember who went and who didn't. I, I just know um, one of them went, and I thought, oh, man. Now that means I have to go. Now, I'm much bigger than them, okay? I mean, watching a 50-pound a child jump off a thing and, and, and trust themselves to this line is like nothing. But, uh, but for me, I weigh, you know, a little more than 50 pounds. And, and so I'm thinking, you know, for me to do that, and, and so I, I was fearful, and I thought, man, here we go. They did it. I have to go. And so, man, you, you jump. You literally jump off this platform, and it looks like you're jumping into a... Ravine. I mean, there's nothing below. It's it's just deep. It's it's far down, and so you jump. And this thing is all loose, and it kind of gets tight when you jump, and then it just kind of swings you all the way across, and you slide all the way down this zip line. and uh, And so I went across it, and I I lived. Obviously, I had no broken bones. I made it. And so uh, I have always. I said this that to say this. I've always told my kids, fear is natural. It's okay to be afraid. But don't allow fear to control your life. That's one of the things I think is important. And that song just kind of reminded me of that. And has absolutely nothing to do with the message this morning. So that was free. Acts chapter number 8. Also, uh, we appreciate those who who tune in online. And if you tune in online, if you're... Maybe listening, maybe you called in, or maybe you're watching on YouTube or Facebook or some other uh, way, then we certainly appreciate that. If you just do us a favor and fill out an attendance thing, we haven't said anything about that in a while. Uh, A lot of times I forget. It does still exist, it is still there, and we certainly appreciate that. I've said it many times when you are online, we cannot see you. Um, There is just no way. And I'm pretty technical, I can dig through a lot of stuff, I can find a lot, but. I, I, you really literally have no way of knowing who is watching out there. And so if you just go to anchorbaptistchurch.net, at the top, uh, there's a little attendance thing. And if you'd click that, uh, I would certainly appreciate it. Uh, it would help us in trying to keep track of, of who, is, who is out there, and that would be a help to us. Uh, Acts chapter number 8, we'll get into the message this morning. Joy in the journey. I'm stealing a title from somebody else. I like this title, and I'm terrible at titles, so... Um, I borrowed. Preachers don't steal, they borrow. Amen. Uh, so I borrowed his title. And, and as we come into Acts chapter number 8, uh, we have a very dark scene, if you will, uh, th- Stephen has just been stoned to death. He's been uh, martyred for the cause of Christ, and and he was a preacher. He was a righteous man. He was one of the top men in the church there, and and he was out preaching. and And of course, it, it did not go well with the uh, the Jews that were around him, and so they took him out and they stoned him and killed him. And we come into chapter eight, and it, and it seems like uh, all is lost. It seems like. Uh, there 's a lot of persecution going on to the church and and there 's a lot of uh, darkness in that very moment uh, for all those people and 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 what I want us to look at this even or this morning rather is joy in this journey, even in this dark setting that we find ourselves. there is certainly joy in the in the journey. look at what it says in verse number one. the Bible says. And Saul was consenting unto his death. He's talking about Stephen's death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles, and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity, the privilege we have, Father, of of gathering freely in your house, Father, around your word, to hear your uh, your word, Father, and God, I pray that you'd use me this morning, Father, I pray that you would speak through me, I pray, Father, that you would touch hearts as only you can, and God, help us to find joy in every journey of our life, and Father, even through some of the most uh, dark days or most difficult days, God, may we find the joy that truly is is in being a Christian. Father, we'll thank you for that. God, I pray that you would just... Um, Bless each and every person that's here, each and every person, Father, that's listening, and we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we open up chapter number 8, as I said, it is a dark time. It is a difficult time for the church, for the Christians, really, in, in Jerusalem, as there's lots of persecution going on for those Christians. And, uh, and this morning, I want us to see just uh, the joy that actually comes out of chapter number 8. Look with me. As the, the Christians were being persecuted, look at what it says there in verse number 4. As the passage goes on, it says, Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the Word. So we find because of the persecution that was taking place in the church uh, in Jerusalem, that the gospel was spread even further. I, I've heard it said before sometimes that uh, a lot of times Christianity doesn't spread well under prosperity, but it spreads very well under persecution. Because generally speaking, prosperity will draw all a lot of, of convenient people who will go to church out of convenience, who will be part of Christianity out of a convenience of their schedule, and because, hey, things are going well, and hey, we'll be a part, but a persecuted church, real people are participating there. And, and people are uh, they're, they're willing to sacrifice and pay a price for the cause of Christ to participate and be a part of that church. And so we find in this persecuted church in Jerusalem uh, that they were scattered abroad and that they were preaching the gospel. Look with me at verse number four as we read that. Then therefore they then or therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Let's look at Philip as he goes around. In verse number five, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies, and and that were lame, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. There was great joy in that city. I want you to notice just a few things about this city where Philip was preaching. Uh, First of all, the city was absolutely full of sin. I want you to notice where Philip went. Uh, He didn't go to a uh, a nice, posh place that was easy for him to go to and and, and nice and comfortable for him to be able to uh, live and preach the Gospel. The Bible says that he went down to the city of Samaria. Now, the Samaritans and the Jews as you may know, they were kind of at odds with each other. They, they really uh, didn't, didn't, the Jews did not think highly of the Samaritans. And we've talked about that before as Jesus in John chapter 4 went to the, the woman at the well there in Samaria and he said, I must needs pass through Samaria. So he went right down to Samaria. And I want you to notice that this city was just full of sin and it was full of all kinds of problems. Look at what it says there in verse number 7. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voices, came out of many that were possessed with them. Now, of all the places that Philip could have gone, this is where he ended up. In a city that had many, I don't know how many, the Bible does not tell us, but many people who were possessed with unclean spirits. And I thought, man, that's a, that's a city that is, is quite a wicked place. And that's a city that, man, has many problems. Now listen, uh, sin, I want us to notice this as we look at this city and we think about this city. I want you to notice that sin divides. Sin divides. Save your spot there in Acts and turn with me to Matthew chap- or Mark chapter number 5. Mark chapter number 5. Sin is very divisive in everyone's life. Um, and as you're turning there to Mark chapter 5, Uh, I want you to think about this verse. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 6, All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. But the first part of that says, all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. In other words, when a man is drawn away of his own desires and falls into sin, hey, it ends up going astray from the shepherd and wandering away uh, from from things that would be protective and good in their life. Sin divides. Uh, Now I want you to see this. In Mark chapter number 5, as we think about this idea of sin being divisive and this city being full of sin, it was a very problematic city. Mark 5.1, the Bible says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, unto the country of the Gadarenes, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones." Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm not an expert uh, about being being possessed with unclean spirits. But we find in the Bible uh, several examples. This is probably one of the worst case scenarios that we find written in the Bible. Uh, This man, uh, the Bible says, lived in tombs and he cut himself and and no man could uh, bind him or contain him with any stretch of the imagination. They tried many times and there was no containing or controlling this man. There's other cases in the New Testament where Jesus, uh, where, where uh, a man with his son would have a, uh, an unclean spirit, and, and he told him, he said, oftentimes he falls into the fire and, and he would hurt himself. But oftentimes, I want us to understand this that sin divides between people. Sometimes, as it would this man, it drove him away from all of his friends and all of society. And sin will divide between people not only that but sin will divide and separate even families listen you know probably through experience uh, maybe somebody who has gotten tangled up in sin in one avenue or another there's many ways to get tangled up that it has led them down a road that has left them uh, led them away from their family. And their parents and their siblings are concerned and they're wondering, you know, hey, I wonder when he's going to get his head screwed on straight. I wonder when he's going to get rid of that garbage out of his life and get back to the family and realize that he's living out there all alone and he doesn't have anybody. That's because sin will divide people and take them down a lonely road. And this in Mark chapter number 5 is probably, like I said, one of the worst case scenarios that brings him to the very end of his road, per se, where he's living in tombs, he's living by himself, he cuts himself, and he cries nights and day, and he's just wandering like a wild, crazy man through the cemetery. But I want you to understand that sin divides. And if we look at this city in Samaria Samaria, uh, where where Philip went to preach, you have to imagine, because there was many who were possessed of unclean spirits, that it was a place of great division and great uh, problems and great sin that took place there. The Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 59 and verse number 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is His ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. And I'm just saying that 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 sin had divided even amongst the people, amongst the family, amongst even them and God, because sin has a way of wedging people away from God. We find a place that's a godless, sinful society. I want you to know this as well, that not only does sin divide, but sin destroys. Well, I've mentioned this verse a few times in the past several weeks, but James chapter number 1 and verse number 14 and 15, uh, you can turn over there if you'd like, James 1, 14 and 15, if you're uh, quick at, about turning there. You can see there in the book of James chapter 1, and verse, verse 14 and 15. The Bible says this, he's talking about temp- temptation. Well, I'll go back to verse 13. Since since I'm there it says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God can for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So we find that not only does sin divide amongst people, as we see that it takes place in the Bible, but also sin destroys lives. And I want you to understand that Philip was in a city that was full of sin. It was a city that had been divided. It was a city that had been uh, full of sin, and, and not only that, but even destruction. And we find that this city had a problem. It was full of sin. But as Philip went there, look at what it says there in verse number 5. I love verse number 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and what did he do? He preached Christ unto them. I love that verse. We're talking about joy in the journey. We're talking about how the church had been persecuted and perhaps they had been forced to flee from their areas. I don't know if they had to flee. I don't know if they fled out of a sense of trying to get away from those who were persecuting them. But I do know this, when they did flee, they did go preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Philip ends up in Samaria, and Philip is now preaching there in Samaria, and we see it turn from, uh, from a city of sin, or sin city, maybe that was the first sin city, amen, a city of sin to a city of saved people. I don't think the whole city got saved, but certainly a large portion of people did get saved, as we see there in verse number 6 and 7. And the Bible says, And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things that Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. I want you to notice that it was a city of salvation. It was a city uh, that that Jesus Christ was preached. And those people uh, became saved. Listen, we need to get the gospel to the lost and dying world. And listen, it's not just going to the nice places and the places that are comfortable and the places perhaps that we would deem as, as the safe places. I don't think Samaria, probably the area where Philip went and where he was preaching, would have, deemed, would have been deemed one of the safe places. I mean, you've got demon-possessed people down there. I mean, that alone would make it a dangerous place. And yet, Philip went there and he preached the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible does say that. Listen, he did many, uh, he did miracles there, and and there were people that were healed, and there were signs. And I want you to realize and understand that throughout the book of Acts, in the beginning of the book of Acts, you do see miracles, you do see signs, you do see wonders. As it's a transitional book that goes from Jesus leaving his gospel with the apostles, that would then take those signs and wonders and they would do them. And throughout the first part of the book, you see them. But as the book goes on and towards the end of the book of Acts, you don't see hardly any signs, any miracles, any healings going on. It's a transitional book that is, that is going from a, a Jesus to the apostles to the church age. And then where the gospel is simply preached. So I just want you to understand that as we look at this passage and understand that yes, Philip did miracles and there were signs and wonders for the, for the Jews because the Jews needed signs and miracles and wonders. But he also preached Jesus Christ, and that is the way of salvation. The way of salvation is not miracles and signs and wonders. It is Jesus Christ and Him crucified and risen again that is salvation. That is the way of salvation. And the Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians 4 3, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And I think this morning, our gospel's hid to a lot of places. There's a lot of lost people who do not know about the Lord Jesus Christ. Philip went there. He went to Samaria. And he preached. And look with me what it says in verse number 8. And there was great joy in that city. What an incredible difference. You see a city of sin that is divided, uh, that is destroyed because of sin, that has all kinds of problems. And then you see Philip go there and he preaches the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. People are saved. Their lives are changed. And listen, at the end, when before he leaves, hey, it is a city of rejoicing. What a difference that was made what a difference, and I'm telling you, even in a dark hour that they were in of persecution, and even in a dark time when uh, there was uh, a Christian had just been martyred, but shortly thereafter, hey, people had come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a difference, what a joy that was made in that city. And as I've said, listen, it's having a relationship with God that saves people. It's forgiveness of sins. The Bible says in Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption through His blood, talking about Jesus, even the forgiveness of sins. Man, there's something about not bearing that load of sin. I've, many times when you hear somebody give a testimony and after they get saved, they're just like, man, I just feel relieved. There's this relief in my heart. And perhaps they don't have all the right words to describe it, but it's like you know a peace that comes over their heart. Why? Because that relationship between them and God is restored and it's made so that they can now call God their Father and they can go to Him in prayer. There's no more of that strain on that relationship. It's been restored. They're saved. We find that There's joy in preaching Jesus. As we continue in the book of in in Acts chapter number eight, not only is there joy in Jesus, but you go down and we find Philip once again preaching and look with me at verse number twenty nine. Acts chapter eight and verse twenty nine. The Bible says this Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Esaias and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led <clears throat> as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so open he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet? This, or of himself, or of some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same Scripture and preached unto him, Jesus." And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and he went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Listen, not only is there joy in Jesus, as we saw in the first uh, few verses of Acts chapter number 8, even in the dark time that it was, but I want you to notice that uh, towards the end of the, the chapter 8 of, of Acts, we find that there's joy in obedience. There's joy in obeying. I want you to notice several things about obedience here. I want you to notice in verse 29 that Philip obeyed God. Listen, when a Christian obeys God, it just brings joy to your life. It just does. Uh, It keeps a good relationship. Uh, You know, most people uh, in their home with their dad, uh, I would say they would have a, a decent relationship with their dad many times. Listen, sometimes when the kid's at home with their mom, and their mom says, you just wait till your dad comes home. You know what happens? That kid all of a sudden is not looking forward to his father coming home. What happened? That relationship has been broken. There's a strain on that relationship. And even though it's his father, and even though he does love his father, uh, there's a strain that, that is put on that relationship. And all of a sudden he's saying, man, I don't want to see my dad when he comes home. Matter of fact, I might conveniently be out playing with the neighborhood friends when my dad comes home and I might not come home until just about supper time hoping that uh, the anger would be quelled or he would forget or my mom would forget to tell him and, and, and you would uh, try and, to occupy yourself so that you wouldn't have to go home and see your dad. That's what happened. There's a strain. But we find there's no strain in in Philip's relationship with God because it says there, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. We need to have a good relationship with God and it will bring joy in our life. When you obey God, it is not a problem to meet with Him on Sundays or Wednesdays. Listen, when when you have a good relationship with God, it's not a problem to take your Bible and open it up on Monday and read the Bible. It's not a problem on Tuesday to open the Bible and read some more and on on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday and on Saturday. It's no longer a problem to meet with God because there's no strain on that relationship. You remember when uh, God had placed Adam in the garden and the Bible says that uh, uh, God came to Adam in the cool of the day to, to walk with Adam and talk with Him. I don't think that was a one-time occurrence. I kind of get the idea that that was a regular thing that Adam did with God. Now, the Bible does not say that it was, uh, but I just kind of get the feeling as I read that, that Adam got, got used to a regular meeting with God every single day, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. What happened when Adam sinned? Well, you go back to Genesis 3 and you can read it. It says, the Bible says that, uh, that Adam heard the voice of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the Bible says that Adam hid himself. I don't think that ever happened before. I don't know, the Bible doesn't record, but I'm pretty sure he didn't ever hide himself before. And, and God calls out and he says, Adam... Where art thou? Why did Adam hide? Adam hid because there was sin. There was a strain on that relationship. And listen, when we maintain a good relationship with God, there's no problem to obey God. There's no problem to walk with God. There's no problem. And listen, it brings joy in our life. Uh, Philip was walking with God and Philip was sensitive to God's uh, command. And, and God told Philip, Hey, I want you to go over to this, this chariot and I want you to talk to this unit." And so, Philip does that in verse number 30. And I want you to notice, not only did Philip obey God, but I want you to notice as well that the Ethiopian eunuch obeyed God. Listen, God, uh, God's very clear in His Word that everyone needs to be saved and born again. By the way, uh, just because of our passage here, I want it to be clear that you are not saved because of baptism. Baptism does not save you. A salvation, as 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 Philip was explaining it to uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, as he found that passage and he was reading there in, in, uh, in Isaiah chapter 53, as he was talking about the sheep uh, that would go to the slaughter, the plan of salvation is that God would send His only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. And many people know that Jesus died on the cross. And I've asked people many times, why did He do that? And they're like, well, well I don't know about that. It's like they never, I never thought about that. And then those, they'll, they'll say, sometimes they'll say, well, because he loved us, and, and they're right, he did go to the cross because he loved us, but the rest of it is that, listen, he did that because he wanted to be a sacrifice and take our sins upon himself because we could not pay for our own sins. So He took our sins and He died on the cross. And then the Bible says that He rose again on the third day and was victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And He did that. And listen, if we will put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we too can be saved. And so the the Ethiopian eunuch did that. I'm sure that that was probably the message that Philip uh, preached to that Ethiopian eunuch. And I'm sure that the Ethiopian eunuch did put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ because the Bible says here in verse number 36 that as they went their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart that thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I believe, I'm sure, that Peter or Philip preached how Jesus was the Lamb that taketh away the sins of the world. That he came as a sacrifice and that if the eunuch would put his faith and trust in him, that he would be saved. And and I'm sure that's what he preached. And listen, uh, that Ethiopian eunuch got saved that day and put his faith and trust in, in Jesus Christ. And then he goes on and he says, hey, here's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Listen, that's the obedience. That's where he obeyed God. You say... Are we commanded to be baptized? Well, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 28 in verses 19 and 20, Jesus was commanding his disciples and he says, "Go ye therefore into all the all nations or go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo I am with you always even unto the end of the world." Amen. And listen, it is a command to be baptized. Maybe you've been saved. Baptism always comes after salvation. I used to tell people in Peru all the time that as you read through the Bible and you see people who are saved, usually they got baptized that day or the next day. One of the few examples of somebody who waited to get baptized was the Apostle Paul. And he fasted the whole time until he did get baptized. So I tell people, if you want to wait to get baptized, go ahead and you just fast the whole time. When you're ready to get baptized, you let me know. We'll baptize you. I'm just saying that's what they did in the Bible. They baptized him right away. And, and so this Ethiopian eunuch, he, he knew, hey, uh, listen, I've been saved. I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and I do want to be saved. He put his faith He said, I do want to be baptized after he had been saved. And so he followed God and he was uh, obedient. And look at what it says there in verse number uh, 39. At the very last part, it says, well, we'll start in the beginning. And and when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went... On his way, rejoicing. You know what? That eunuch found joy because he, number one, got saved. Number two, he obeyed God in baptism. And said, you know what? I'm obedient to God. I've got a good relationship. I know things are set. I know I'm good. And and, and he went on his way. The Bible says rejoicing. Listen, there is joy in obeying God. There was joy for Philip in obeying God. There was joy for the Ethiopian eunuch as they went on their way. And and could you imagine Philip, he said, uh, uh, could you imagine his, his testimony whenever he told somebody else? He said, man, I was just walking through the wilderness and I saw this chariot and the Lord impressed on my heart, go talk to that guy in that chariot. And so Philip says, well, all right. He goes over and he starts talking to him and lo and behold, that Ethiopian eunuch is reading from Scripture. Could you imagine that? I, it was not too long ago. Uh, I heard a preacher, a well-known preacher in Texas, and he was giving testimony of that thing. And he was driving his car one day, and and uh, and, and the Lord said, "Hey, I want you to stop, pull over, and talk to that guy." He said, Lord, I'm on my way to make a visit. And, and it was a busy part of town. And the Lord said, so he drove by. And, and he said, the Lord said, listen, I want you to go back and talk to that guy who was sitting at a bus stop. And, and he said, Lord, the bus has probably already came. And, and, and he looked in his mirror and the bus had pulled up and the bus pulled away. And that guy was still sitting there. He said, all right, Lord. Turned his car around, drove around the block, went back, found a spot to park, walked up there. He started talking to that fella." And the fella, believe it or not, said, I've been praying the Lord would send somebody to talk to me. Because I didn't know if there was a God. And, and he had another religion, but he was really doubting and struggling with his religion. And this preacher had the opportunity to witness to that fella. And that fella got saved. Listen, the Spirit of God still impresses on our heart to witness to people. And we ought to be a witness as Philip, witnessed to that Ethiopian eunuch. There's joy in, in obeying God. Not only is there joy in Jesus and seeing the lives changed there in in the city of Samaria, and there was joy in the Ethiopian eunuch because he obeyed God. I want you to notice lastly uh, that there's joy in following God. You look at uh, the life of Philip, Philip has just come out of the the Jerusalem church that was scattered abroad. Perhaps Philip even witnessed uh, Stephen being martyred, and perhaps that stayed as an impression on his mind. Perhaps he saw Saul running through the streets of Jerusalem, trying to find other Christians and trying to take them to prison and and trying to uh, uh, to cause all kinds of problems and Maybe that stayed in his mind, and maybe he thought man i, I don 't know what 's going on, but nonetheless he was faithful when he left out of Jerusalem. And he went down to Samaria, and there he preached Jesus. Listen, uh, Philip, there was joy in Philip's life because he went where God wanted him to go. He went first to Samaria, a rough place. We find him next in Acts chapter 8. Towards the end there, he was in the wilderness and, and he, he preached to the Ethiopian eunuch and the Ethiopian eunuch got saved. And, and what I'm saying is uh, there was joy in, in Philip's life. Could you imagine being there at, at Samaria and preaching and seeing those lives transformed as they were? And thinking, man, I'm glad I went. I'm glad I saw that guy saved. I'm glad I, I got to see those people and those demons cast out of those people. And I'm glad I, I got to be a part of that and, and, and just the, uh, the involvement that Philip had in the ministry and following God and being faithful to do what God had asked him to do. What about this in Acts chapter 8? And, and after verse number 8, what if Philip said, man, I saw Samaria saved. Praise the Lord. I'm glad for that. Say, I guess I can go back home to Jerusalem now. I guess I'm all done. I guess I've done the ministry and, and I'm all good. Philip didn't stop there matter of fact, you go down and you read through the whole chapter, there was another man, Simon, who had gotten saved as Philip uh, talked with him as well, and and he had gotten saved. And then you go down to Acts chapter uh, 28 there, and you find that he continues, and he continues, and he does not stop. Listen, when we see one person saved, or we see one victory in ministry, we don't stop. We continue to go, and we continue to look, and we continue to preach, and we continue to witness, and we continue to pray, and we continue to labor. Why? Because because we want to continue in the ministry. Philip did that. He continued. He didn't stop. Look in verse number 40. But Philip was found at Azotus and passed through, and he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. We find that Philip just continued going forward. May we be encouraged to continue like Philip did. This whole chapter is filled with the works of Philip and and what a wonderful preaching and what a wonderful opportunity and what wonderful ministry did Philip have and the people that he saw saved and the lives that were changed. And he did not stop and he continued. I think there's great joy in being faithful to God and following through. Paul in... Acts chapter 26, he's giving the purpose of his life. You can turn over there, just forward a few pages. Acts chapter 26, and verse number 13, Paul says this. He's giving testimony in Acts 26. Paul is standing before King Agrippa, and he's giving his testimony about how he was saved. And I want you to see what he said there in Acts chapter 26 and verse number 13. He says this, At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me, and them which journeyed with me. This was when Paul was on uh, the road, and the Lord appeared unto him in the middle of the day, and that's what he's talking about when he says that light from heaven. Verse number 14. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It, it, It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And verse number 16, but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things which the, in the which I will appear unto thee. Verse 17, Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by the flesh that is in me. So Paul is saying, "Listen, this is the purpose for which I've been saved. This is the purpose for which God has called me, uh, that I would uh, see the eyes in verse number 18, and turn or see, open their eyes rather, and turn them from darkness to the light, and from the power of Satan unto God. Listen, what a wonderful ministry. If we would take that same purpose, that's what we as Christians have an opportunity to do. Oh, it's not our power. It's not our strength. It's not our ability. Uh, Paul didn't have any superpowers. Uh, He was a person just like we are. And listen, God had given him the opportunity and the calling and said, Listen, I want you to go and preach to all these places. Now listen, you might not be called to preach, but I tell you this, we can still witness. You can still see the same thing accomplished. The place where you work and family and neighbors and, and people who are wrapped up in darkness. Sometimes we get uh, nervous or we, uh, we, see, we see those kind of things and we think, well, that guy will never get saved. What if Philip had that attitude when he went to Samaria, that sin filled city with all kinds of unclean spirits? What if he thought, well, those guys will never get saved? But he didn't think that. You know what he thought? I'm going to preach the gospel, I'm going to give them the gospel. And let them know that Jesus Christ loves them and He cares for them and He wants to change their life. What a joy to see somebody's life completely transformed, their eyes opened, and turned from the power of Satan to the power of God. What What a wonderful opportunity as Christians we have to see that as we would get the Gospel out. And Philip, I believe, had great joy in following and doing just that, going from Samaria, seeing Simon saved that was a sorcerer there in the same city, seeing the Ethiopian eunuch saved as he went there and, and witnessed to him, and, and then going through the many other towns and, and all the places that he traveled to preach, I'm sure that there was joy in that ministry for Philip. Listen, there's joy in Jesus. Maybe you're not saved this morning. There's joy in Jesus. Jesus. He can change your life. Sin will divide you and destroy you and, and, and take you down a dark, lonely path, but Jesus wants to rescue you from that path. There's joy in obedience and following God and baptism and, and obeying God and, and witnessing and doing all the things that God would ask us to do. And then there's joy in that faithful service that Philip did from place to place. Not giving up, not quitting, not saying, well, man, I saw one town saved. I'm, man, I'm good. I guess I can coast the rest of my life. No, he didn't do that. He said, I'm going to continue. I'm going to be faithful. Getting the gospel to the lost and dying world. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Joy in the journey. Oh, he started out in a dark place, Sure. The church was being persecuted. Christians were being thrown in jail. Stephen had just been martyred for his faith. It was a dark day. But there was plenty of joy in that journey as he saw Samaria saved, as he saw the Ethiopian eunuch baptized, and he rejoiced. And I'm sure, beyond any shadow of a doubt, that Philip had joy in his service to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank You for today. We thank you for the message, God, and the joy that we can find in the journey. God, maybe there is one listening, maybe here in the building, maybe, maybe even online, Father, that's never put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and they're struggling, not knowing that joy in their life, not having that joy. God, I pray that they would see their need for salvation, And God, as You said in Your Word, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God, may they call out to You today and put their faith and trust in You today and be saved. God, I pray that they would do that. Maybe there's one that needs to be baptized and obey you in baptism or obey you in witnessing or obey you in some other area of their life god there's joy in obedience may we be joyful christians because we're obedient to you maybe there's joy maybe there's one that's teetering on the edge of faithfulness god there's joy in faithfulness sticking with it following you. God, I pray that you'd encourage each and every one in whatever area, God, that we could find joy in our Christian journey in 2021. I pray, Father, that you'd touch hearts as only you can. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, God, spoken into your heart. Whatever the need Maybe you need to be obedient to God. It's between you and God. Ask Him to help you. Maybe you need to follow the Lord in baptism. We'd be glad to help you with that. Maybe you need to be saved. Maybe it's faithfulness. Whatever it is, whatever the need, the Lord's working on your heart. Talk to Him.